You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Dan Jetto. Hello and welcome to my living room again. It's my week to preach for River Rock Church. And uh, my title of my message this week is Earthly Practices with Promises of Heavenly Rewards. And it's taken from Matthew 6, verses 1 through 16. And when we think of rewards, at least when I think of rewards, I think of the old wanted posters. You know, wanted dead or alive, reward of so many dollars. Um, I go out to my golf course because uh, I'm not as good a golfer as I used to be. Uh, and I bang into the trees a lot. I think the squirrels have posters out there that say, you know, wanted dead or alive. And they have a picture of me and it'll say like 50 acorns. Um, it, it, it's one of those things that we think about that way. And every year we hear about these highly ethical people who find uh, money that's fallen out of armored trucks or people who left money in a, a box that they dropped off at Goodwill and they find the owner and they return it. And, and oftentimes they do it without any hope of reward, uh, no desire for reward, and often they're rewarded for that. We hear again of people, athletes who compete to win awards, uh, they are rewarded for achieving things, for all the hard work that they have done as they prepared for their sport, for their business. Businessmen and salesmen hope uh, to be rewarded for landing a new account that helped bring success to their business and to their companies. And all these rewards that we talk about like this, they bring temporary satisfaction. All will fade, they will not be repeated or they will not be spent, or they will be spent. And the joy that they brought is nothing more than a memory, um, a story we can tell that will be forgotten uh, when we leave the arena of your sports person, uh, when you leave the arena of your business person, or for us, you know, when we leave this life, what we've done here on earth oftentimes is going to be forgotten within a generation, uh, it will all be gone. So do we dare? seek eternal rewards, rewards that are going to last forever, that we can find in heaven. And in Matthew 6, uh, verses 1 through 18, it talks about the rewards that are available for us through that. And then right after that, we come to a, a passage that we've probably heard before, and it's what Jesus was saying to his people. He says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus calls us to seek heavenly rewards. And right before this, these first 18 passages tell us how we can store up those treasures in heaven. And, and Jesus talks about three distinct uh, practices that we can do. Uh, and he talks about them in terms of having a, a heavenly reward at the end. And it's that with each practice, Jesus warns, though, don't be like hypocrites. And then says, and your Father in heaven who sees or is in secret will reward you. He promises those, those heavenly rewards. And with that in mind, it brings me uh, to the bumper sticker that I have for today's message. And that is, the treasures I seek are the reward, rewards I will reap. So what does that mean? It means that if I seek treasures here on earth, that's what I'm going to reap. And, and those treasures are going to rot. They're going to disappear. They're going to disappoint. And they will have no lasting value. But if I seek 
God is and seek God and his righteousness. I seek his kingdom. The rewards that I receive will be eternal. I will begin storing up treasure in heaven where, where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. It doesn't go away. It's there eternally. Let's look at the passage together. And I'm going to read Matthew 1, uh, 6, 1 through 18. It's a long section. I'll, I'll try to read it. Um, and, then, and then we want to look at a whole bunch of different stuff in here. So uh, beginning in, in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 6. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you give, give to the poor don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut the, your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask them. Therefore, you should pray like this, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, this, uh, give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly I tell you, they have the reward. But when you fast, put on... Put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret, and your fa isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This passage comes right in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is called that because Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down and he began to teach his followers. So this, this message is written to followers of Jesus. It's written to people who were following Jesus at that time. So when we look at this context, and we look at the context of the whole Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus telling his followers how they should live, principles that they should uh, live their lives by, how to be a, a great and effective follower of him. And that's what these passages are for. So the three earthly practices, I, I'm sure that you heard them as I was reading them, there's three earthly practices with promised heavenly rewards. And they are, the first one, giving. Uh, the second one was prayer. And the third one is fasting. So we have three practices, giving, praying, and fasting. In each section, there's a commonality uh, as Jesus is going through each one. He's, he repeats the same phrases over and over in each one. And, and um, 
If you notice that he does not describe in detail how to do these, he doesn't give us step-by-steps, he doesn't set up rituals for us to follow. He does give us a pattern for prayer when he talks about prayer, but he doesn't say this is the prayer that you should uh, pray. He gives us that pattern and, and um, he's, he wanted to contrast that with the ritualistic prayers of the Gentiles. You think of the idol worshippers, the Gentiles are going to be the Romans and the Greeks who are worshipping idols and they repeat the same prayer over and over and over again um, and, and expect uh, something to happen uh, praying to, to idols and, and it never does. So what are the commonalities? The first is a commonality of an expectation that we will actually do these practices. Um, he says for each practice, whenever you, whenever you do this. He doesn't say if you do this. He says whenever you do this. So in verse 2, whenever you give to the poor. The expectation is that we will give to the poor. Whenever you pray. The expectation is that we're going to pray. Whenever you fast, there's an expectation that we will fast. Jesus expected that his followers would do all three. He expects us to give. He expects us to pray. He expects us to fast. Now, um, a lot of people would say, well, what is fasting? And we'll talk about it at the end, but I want you to be aware of that. Now, the second commonality that you're going to see in these passages is he says not to do these things like the hypocrites do. So he says, uh, when he's talking about giving, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. So when he's talking about giving, he says, don't go out and, and broadcast that you're giving. When, when it comes to praying, he says, you must not like, be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. So when he's talking about prayer, he's saying, we shouldn't be doing this as a public display. And when he talks about fasting, you don't be, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces uh, so that their fasting is obvious to people. So if you notice in each one of these, the purpose of the actions, the motivation of the people who are doing these actions is the applause of men. They want other people to think highly of them because they pray the way they do in public. Uh, um, and, and it's flowery words or whatever it is that they give when they give they're announcing well I just gave blah 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 dollars for blah 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 thing um, when they're fasting they walk around all forlorn and oh I'm so hungry I'm dying you know what, whatever it is and, and, and Jesus says yeah, they have the reward uh, the people are applauding them fine that's what they get that's it um, there's no uh, heavenly reward the treasure being sought by these people is not the treasure of God. It's, it's the praise of men. Now the third commonality in each one of these is Jesus says how. He says how to give, how to pray, and how to fast. Jesus wants us to do it in a manner that shows we are, we are only seeking God's help. That, that we are doing it in a manner that demonstrates our desire to increase His, his kingdom that we're not doing it in a manner that's just to boost our ego. It's not about us, it's about God. So forgiving, but when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He is saying, don't keep a record 
of how much you gave to this person and how much of that. I tack it up on my wall and say, well, I gave uh, this guy this much money and um, I gave this person this much money. Um, he's saying, don't do that. Um, give as you see the needs and as you give uh, or give as you plan and as you give, um, forget about it and start thinking about what is the next place that I can give. He says that, that the God is going to reward us. What, but once I give, I forget about that and I move on to the next place and look for needs and look for opportunities to give again. Now for praying, he says, but when you pray, go into your private room, shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. See, God wants to have intimate one-on-one -on -one times with each one of us. Now, I have to schedule with my uh, boss. I do have a secular job. I have to schedule with him every other week a one-on-one. -on -one. We go over what my goals are. We go over my progress on my goals. We talk about what I'm doing, what's, what help I need, or what um, things I need to let go of. That's part of what we do. We can have intimate one-on-ones with God. We can talk with him. He wants to hear us uh, express our hearts to him. And, and Jesus, as he was doing this, he, he gave us a pattern for prayer. And so we, we all uh, can recite the Lord's Prayer probably, probably from heart, by heart, because we've been doing it all our lives. If you've been in any church at all, especially any mainline denominations, you've heard it over and over again, and they recite it as a prayer. And it's meant to be a pattern for prayer. And, and, and he says, you know, when he says, you know, you should pray like this, he doesn't say you should pray this. He says, you should pray like this. And he gives us the Lord's Prayer. And here's the Lord's Prayer. Here's the pattern. It begins, our Father in heaven. So he wants us to make sure that we're directing our prayer to God, that it should be directed to God, that that's who we're speaking to, so that our focus is on the person that we want to reach. Um, secondly, your name be honored as holy. We want our hearts to hold God in awe. We, we want to see him as holy, revere him. So as we come before him, we, we express our love for him, but we also stand or kneel or sit in awe of him as we pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. No matter what I ask, Lord, may what you want to happen, happen. May your will be done in my life. Help me to know what it is. It goes on. Give us today our daily bread. We can tell Jesus exactly what we need. He already knows what we need, but we can tell him. He wants us to ask him for that because it shows that we're trusting him, that we believe that he can provide for us. And so he wants us to do that. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. We need to confess our sins to God and ask him to forgive us, but we also need to forgive others. And that section right after this uh, part of the, uh, the Lord's Prayer says that, you know, if you don't forgive others, God's not going to forgive you. So uh, we need to make sure that we're not just praying for uh, and repenting of our own sins, that we're praying that God will forgive the people who have hurt us. We need to ask God to help us forgive them as well. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Ask God to save us from our own destructive and prideful desires. If you go to James, he tells us that that uh, we, the temptations that come into our lives are not from God. It's from our own evil desires. And we, we, we try to hang on to those. So we need to ask God to help us in our areas of weakness, where we sin. 
areas where we struggle, ask him to help us and to keep us coming from coming in to places that will trigger those temptations. We need God to help us fight our own uh, evil desires. We need God's help to save us from ourselves. Now for fasting, in verses 17-18, it says, But when you fast, put, on, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret, will, result, will reward you. When we are fasting, God wants our attention to be on Him. We fast because we are seeking His intervention. We are fasting because we are seeking wisdom from Him or active help from Him. If we are fasting as a group, the group should know and have a singular focus as what they're praying and fasting for. If we're fasting as individuals, it should be between us and God. And we should dress and act and live as if it was a normal day. But as we experience the discomfort that comes from whatever it is that we've given up, that we would begin uh, to desire and remember to pray and ask God for the thing that we're fasting for. Now, as, as I went through all of this, I struggled with how do I make these acts that we're supposed to do sound appealing? How do I make it look like, or how do I make us understand that these are not things that we do to earn our, our salvation? This is not duties that have been placed upon us that uh, thou shalt do this or else. These are things that we should want to do. And, and, and because if we make them duties, if it's become something that I feel that I'm obligated to do rather than something I desire to do, then it's going to bring about resentment. And it's not meant to bring about resentment. It's meant to bring joy. Because as we become more intimate with God in prayer, as we give and see people's lives change, as we fast and we see God intervene in our lives, it will bring joy. And that is the goal of each one of these practices. And as we experience that joy, there's also a heavenly reward that we receive. And the key to doing all of that is to make each an act of worship. Each is something that we're doing to bring glory to God and not to ourselves. Uh, we want to do them in a manner that shows God that we love Him, that we desire Him in our lives, and that we are trusting Him. We do these in a manner that shows we want to be imitators of God and His love and His graciousness. So let's start with the first one. So how do we give as an act of worship? to show God that we love Him, to that we trust Him in a way that sh makes us imitators of Jesus. Well, first of all, we need to give cheerfully from what we have. You know, Jesus never asks us to give something that we don't have. Jesus fed the, when Jesus fed the 5,000, He asked the disciples what you have. Now, with five loaves and, and, and two fish. Well, Jesus said, good enough, set them down, let's feed them. He, he didn't ask them to give more than what they had. He didn't say go buy 5,000 Happy Meals from the nearest McDonald's. No, he said sit them down. You have what you need. I'm going to ask you to give what you need and we'll use that to meet the needs of the people. And that's the way that it works. We give cheerfully with what we have and God takes that and multiplies it and makes it work. Well, secondly, we need to, if we're going to have it be an act of worship, we need to make plans to give. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 8, uh, the point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. 
Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. If we don't have a plan, it's not likely that we're going to give. Um, also note that he says, as he has decided. Um, uh, it's not as someone told you to give. It's, it's not as uh, someone said you must give. It's as you've decided in your own heart. You have to uh, take time and decide. You plan, you decide what it is you're going to give, and you, you set that aside, you get it ready, you're prepared to give, then when it's time to give. We should be praying and asking God about our giving and decide with godly wisdom. Becky and I do that each year, that when, when it comes time to increase our giving, we pray, well, what is the amount that we think God want, we want to trust God for, or what God wants us to trust Him for each year? And so we've been increasing our giving, and, and that's a way that we should do it. We should give of ourselves and our time. Jesus isn't always talking about giving financially. You know, uh, we as, as Americans think of our possessions and our finances as our most valuable possession, but really it's not. Our time and our lives are our most valuable possession. And, and we need to plan also, and we need to give of ourselves and plan for ways to give of ourselves. Because when we are giving of our time and of ourselves, that's when we're truly imitating God. That's when we're truly being like Jesus. Jesus gave himself uh, for us. He gave his time to his disciples to help them become uh, great men of God as well. When, when we give sacrificially of our time and of our lives and of our possessions joyfully and cheerfully and willingly doing that, we are being like Jesus. And that is an act of worship uh, when, when we are trying to be like Jesus. So that's giving. So how about praying? How do we pray as an act of worship? Well, it sounds like it would be easy, and maybe it is for some people. Some people struggle with, with prayer. So how do we pray to show uh, that we love God and that we trust Him? And how do we pray in a manner that imitates His actions? Well, one, we need to pray frequently. There's passages of Scripture that says that we should pray continually. And so we, we pray with our hearts poured out before Him, openly and honestly confessing our sins, with thanksgiving for all he has done. We listen and we show our trust for him and obeying him when he speaks to our hearts. Sometimes we need to simply be quiet before God. It's okay even as you're being quiet for God if you fall asleep because you know what? God can speak to you in your dreams as well. It shows our hearts when we do this and, and, and uh, we, we do these types of things and, and, it, and, and do that in a manner of work, worshiping him because it shows we're seeking him. Some practical things we can do is we can write out our prayers and read them back to God. If you have trouble uh, thinking of what to say, write it down. Um, if, if you're tr trouble finding time to pray, um, you know, I've got the screensaver that I put up. It's my lock on screen. Um, you can come and get that. It's on our Facebook page out there. And it, it uh, sorry, it went away already. But it just every time I open my phone, it says, hey, it's Jesus. Can we, can we chat? And so it reminds me to pray every time I reach for my phone and open up my phone. We need to plan time to meet with God in prayer. 
Um, we can pray spontaneously. When my phone comes up, I pray spontaneously. I have some prayers that I'm praying, people that I'm praying for, that God would change their hearts. I've got that. As soon as that pops up, that's one of the things that I pray. It's a reminder for me to pray for them. But uh, we have, need to have regularly um, planned times of prayer also. You can call them uh, prayer dates with God, whatever you want. But, you know, if you, when, you, when you're in love with a uh, uh, significant other, whether it's your uh, 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 guy, loving woman, woman loving guy, uh, we plan dates because we want to get together with them so that we can share with them. That's all prayer is, getting together with God and sharing with them. And, and we need to plan time for that and set aside time for that. We can read God's Word and we can pray God's Word back to them. The Psalms are filled with prayers. Um, you can sing prayers. I if you look at the songs that I've written for our church, you'll find that many of them are prayers. You know, so when, when, when we sing, make me a beacon, what is it saying? It's saying, God, make me a light to your world. Uh, you know, simple stuff like that that we can do. Need a job aid for prayer? There's one that's uh, been shared over and over again. It's called ACTS. So each letter is an acronym for something. So the A is adoration. So we, we take time to... Praise God for who He is. So this is uh, recognizing God's character and, and praising Him for who He is, for how loving He is, how, how powerful He is, how, uh, how just amazing He is at creating things. Uh, then, then comes confession. And we all have sin in our lives. And, and we should be uh, going before God each day and confessing our sins so that God can cleanse us of of all our unrighteousness. And then there's Thanksgiving, thanking God for all the things that He's provided for us and done for us. And then the last one is supplication. That's straight, it's a big word. But what it is, it's an asking. This is a supplication is asking God, asking God for our needs, asking God to intervene in, in situations, asking God for other people's needs, supplication. So A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. It's a simple pattern to remember uh, if you don't want to use the Lord's Prayer. Um, it's just another one. And then the last thing I have here is find a prayer partner, someone to pray with on a regular basis. This helps you to learn how to pray because you get to hear somebody else praying. And, it, and, and God tells us when two or more are gathered in his name, he is there. So we know that God will hear us at that point in time. Matthew 18, 20 quotes Jesus as saying, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. It's a way to be with God. Now this brings us to the last one, which is fasting. So what is fasting and how, how does it work? Um, fasting is giving something up to get dedicate uh, time and prayer to God. We should fast from something that will trigger a habit pain for us to remind us to pray about the reason we are fasting. So not eating at our regularly scheduled times triggers a psychological and sometimes a physical reminder that our body wants us to eat. And so when, when that happens, it can trigger us to remember to pray for whatever it is that we're seeking God's help or wisdom for. Uh, maybe fasting from our phones would be an act of worship. Uh, you know, every time we want to go to Facebook, uh, you know, rather than that habit pain of going to Facebook, it would be for us a way uh, to pray, to, to trigger us to pray, to check in, to re a reminder to ask God to help us, whatever, uh, whatever it is we are uh, struggling with. So how do we fast as an act of worship? To show God that we love Him and that we trust Him. 
in a, in a way that imitates him. Well, some might ask, well, why should I even fast? And, and one of the reasons is because Jesus did. We see Jesus as an example. Before he started his ministry, he went out in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights and didn't eat or drink. Um, and God sustained him. And in that time, he was preparing himself for ministry. And when, when he finished that, he, he started his ministry. And what that was, that was the first steps towards Gethsemane. He needed that support. He needed God's help. He needed God's guidance. He needed God's wisdom because he had relinquished all his power. The only power he had was what God had given him. And as he was preparing to go uh, and complete his ministry, he took time to fast. We see other instances of fasting uh, when the Israelites were in dire straits, surrounded or oppressed by enemies, that the nation would fast and pray. Uh, we see um, in, uh, in the book of Esther, Esther asks the people to fast before she goes before the king so that the Israelites could be saved. To me, this indicates that we should fast before making major life decisions. So uh, feel like you need to change jobs or if you get to my age, feel like it's time to retire. Maybe you should fast about it and ask God, is this the right time? Is, 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 do you have a job for me out there? Are you under extreme persecution? Are, is there somebody who is just driving you nuts? If you're a young person, you're being bullied and you need assistance from that. Um, if you're an older person being bullied, um, you're being mistreated, take some time to fast and ask God to intervene. Are you struggling with sin or temptation? Maybe, maybe you should fast and ask God for how you can better battle that uh, issue. There's a, multiple, and a multitude of opportunities to seek God's intervention and His wisdom. But how do we fast as an act of worship to show God that we love and trust Him, that we want to imitate Him? Well, first of all, we do it willingly, with a purpose in mind, with the goal of gaining God's wisdom or intervention. If we're praying about a decision and God tells us no, and as we're fasting, then we need to yield to his no. If we're fasting and God tells us go, we need to basically immediately make the decisions and go. We, we need to plan for times of fasting. This does not mean that we fast once a week like the Pharisees. They had rigid rules and, and they said you had to fast once a week. We don't want to do that. But if we have a decision coming up, a big decision coming up, set aside a day of the week to fast. Plan for it. Uh, plan how long. Do you want to fast for 24 hours? There's no set rules for that, um, it, for what makes a real fast. Uh, I would say that five minutes, though, is probably not long enough to create uh, a, a desire or to show God that, that we really are serious about what it is we're praying about. When I have my annual physical, I have to fast for that. I have to fast. So I have to plan for that so that I can fast for that. It's just part of that. Now, I don't use that as a fast for spiritual reasons. It's just something that's there. But maybe you have um, some decisions that you need to make. Uh, maybe each year when it comes time to plan for your goals at work, you should take time to fast. Maybe you're seeking a spouse. Um, you know, that there's a significant other. Maybe you should pray and fast and ask God to, to direct you to the right person or to answer your question, is this the right person? Maybe you're feeling spiritually dry. Um, fast and pray and ask God to, to speak to your heart and to show you how you can uh, experience Him anew. As a church, 
We need a place to worship. Can we fast and pray and ask God to provide for us as a church? Um, I would actually love if people would decide to do that this week. That you would just take some time and pray and ask God, would you please direct us, uh, provide for us, that place where we can worship inside as the weather is preparing to change. Whether that's something that we buy or something that we lease or something that's even given to us. Ask Him to give us wisdom as we prepare and, and need to proceed because I'm not sure that online church will work forever or for, for a long time for us as a church. Now as we finish up on this fasting, I want you to know the last commonality in all of these sections is this. And our God who sees in secret will reward you. We do these acts of worship because we serve and belong to, to a God who loves us. A God who loves to reward us. His rewards often have earthly consequences or effects, but they also have eternal ones as well. There's heavenly rewards. Will we and can we give, pray, and fast in worship of our God, expecting those heavenly rewards? To one day hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Will that not be the greatest treasure that we could ever receive? Will that not be the treasure that we seek and the reward that we want to reap more than anything else to hear God's words of approval in heaven for how we lived? I, let, let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you uh, that you have given these, us these practices and your promises of rewards. I pray that you would help us to learn to adopt them and to do them well in a manner that worships you. And Lord Jesus, I pray that because we do these things, that there will be changes in our world, Lord, and eternal rewards waiting for us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.